Welcome to the 202030 podcast. I am Magdalena Schaffrin of Studio MMO4 and sitting here with Max Gilgenmann and we are having our new episode. And it's my pleasure to also be here with you and uh, we're looking into material innovation this time. Who are our guests? We are actually listening to Maria Zakoneva from Ferroid, which is pretty hard to pronounce actually, but how do I do it right, Max? I think you did it pretty right already. I'm not uh, the best with uh, surnames too, but Zakuneva I think is mostly correct and ferroid is how I would pronounce it because it's fur on steroids in a way, I guess. Ah, okay. Ah, this is interesting, but we will talk about that later. And Konstantin Zinger from OceanSafe is our second guest today and uh, he will be talking about a solution tackling microplastics. Yeah, not just microplastics, an alternative to polyester that is completely biodegradable in the ocean or in any non-industrial context. So yeah, both very interesting innovations for the fashion industry. And Max, how did you actually find them. I mean, Maria and her business partner, they are really doing groundbreaking innovation in her laboratory. So how the hell did you come up with them? Well, I didn't really come up to them, but how it works through, well, as you know, we have quite wide networks uh, globally now. And uh, somehow I gotten to know Henry Kunz, um, the co-founder of Maria, And he's a German uh, researcher, actually. And he, I think, is also, he's been involved in this first IP that they have that is on human hair grown in a lab. And then together with Maria, they kind of shifted it more towards the fashion industry and looked into fur and wool. Ah, so this is actually what they're doing, right? I mean, they're actually yes. growing uh, fur and wool in the laboratory. Yeah, who would have thought? Eh? I mean, there was already a lot of media attention on grown meat in the lab in the last couple of years. And then also leather, I think, was a topic already. Have you ever tried? No, I haven't eaten any lab-grown meat yet. That's me neither. true. No, me neither. But I don't would know you wear fur grown in the lab? I don't know. I mean, I'm actually, personally, I don't like fur so much. I know it's like in fashion right now, but uh, I'm more, I'm actually more on the natural side of materials. Well, I, I used to like fur when I was young. Um, I wouldn't really know what to do with it right now. But I would think, I mean, still the much better alternative for sure than, than having polyester fur, which is also really nasty in many ways. Again, also bringing microplastics back. So yeah, I mean, I would say at least I could imagine that the fashion industry will embrace this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, also looking um, at the amount of fibers uh, in the market, I mean, polyester is uh, used more and more. So this is also uh, why we are also very happy to uh, welcome Konstantin Singer uh, with his solutions or the Ocean Safe solutions uh, for the industry. Yeah, super exciting. And I mean, Ferroid is still in research and development phase, um, even though they had massive EU funds and, and so on. But uh, they are market ready, I think, soon but they're not on the market yet if you look at ocean safe the exciting thing is they have a market ready already in use solution that is an alternative to polyester for all kind of different products so this is really exciting because it can be scaled it can be used on the standard machinery of the polyester industry and yeah you can contact ocean safe today and and kind of talk with them on how to use their new material Yeah, it's also a bit complicated sometimes. I don't know um, how much you 
out there know about composting and recycling of materials and fibers, um, because this is also one of the biggest innovation I think is uh, sitting in ocean saves technologies that this is a truly biodegradable material and this is not only biodegradable in like a composting industrial composting plants but also in nature and as you might know or might not know most of our clothes actually end up as landfill somewhere on the world so actually all the fibers we use in clothes they're actually landing in nature and if they are not biodegradable as usually polyester or other um, oil by based fibers aren't uh, this is a groundbreaking innovation and this can really make a difference and actually be i don't know beneficial is it beneficial max well i think it has the potential to be even a regenerative really positive and beneficial fiber. Uh, for that one would probably still need to look more into the inputs. I'm also not the expert here, but we will learn a little bit more about that in a moment. But uh, definitely has the potential and for sure it is so groundbreakingly more sustainable than the existing fibers right now. Also, if we look at the part of microplastics again, a, a, a big part of um, microfibers from closing lands in the ocean. I mean, and they tackle this, I mean, directly. That's also the name obviously ocean safe um, those microplastics coming from their material would actually biodegrade in the ocean and not stick around and being eaten by fish this would be like meat for fish probably so we could go a step further to like think yes. about like a vision that we create like fibers which are actually food for any other animals out there Absolutely. And I mean, looking back to uh, the episode with Michael Braungart, I mean, he always claims for how the waste should be in nutrition again. And in this case, that would be possible. Yes, if these kind of microfibers land in the ocean, they could be nutritious to animals in the sea. Let's take that as a next uh, idea to them in our next talk. How sure. about creating some fibers which are actually uh, creating food for animals out there, not only uh, biodegrade. But um, why not listen to him? Because biodegrading polyester fibers are actually groundbreaking and making a real difference in the industry. As you can see, and as Mr. Braungart had already told in his, uh, in his introduction, the textile industry's problems are not really singular. They are diverse, and as such, they have to be tackled. And this is quite a challenge. So this is why I want to introduce to you the concept of OceanSafe, because we have thought about it a lot. How can we actually cover most of these, if not all, to actually have an effective impact on the negative consequences that the textile industry has on this planet. And we think that the only way to actually do this and not only come out uh, in, in, a, in a negative, less negative way, but in an actually positive way, is to design from cradle to cradle. To actually design a circular product. And um, the, the most important word in this, in this uh, sentence is probably design because it, just, uh, it doesn't just happen by chance that... Uh, a product will be circular. So it has to be designed that way. So what do we do to actually make that happen? We have a couple of new materials. We screen and um, assess pretty much any process that goes into producing an ocean-safe fabric. This goes along the whole production chain of the textile chain, and it starts with the raw material, of course. 
This raw material is proprietary fiber from us. We have two of them, but I will get to that later. And to actually cover the whole chain, this is something that we also offer. We go into the textile production chain and look at each and every production factory to actually make sure that they are producing according to standard. According to standard in this case means that they are producing according to cradle-to-cradle gold certified and not less. So this is something that is absolutely paramount to our, to our, uh, any finished product that is coming from an ocean-safe licensee. The material has to be biodegradable and it has to be toxin-free. Toxin-free will be guaranteed by the cradle-to-cradle gold certification. This is an impartial assessment. This is not done by us. This is very important for us. And once this is done, you can actually start producing. Because once you only have one part of it, if you have, for example, a biodegradable T-shirt, for example, this still has has been dyed with toxic dyes, you may actually have a worse impact on the environment than you've had before. So this is something that is paramount that these two go actually hand in hand. What are our two proprietary fibers? Are by now called Narnia and Konea. Narnia is pretty much a PET substitute. This is fully biodegradable. This is cradle-to-cradle gold certified, and this is fully compostable. So this is quite an innovation because this is something that we actually want to tackle the whole waste stream problem of polyester with. This also includes microplastics coming from it. It does shed microplastic, but since this is biodegradable, the microplastics will also degrade in nature. And all the while they're being in it, they will not cause as much harm as regular polyester fibers because they have not been treated, processed, dyed with any toxic material whatsoever. The second one is a fiber called Konea, which is going to be a substitute for cotton, which is a lot more complicated to design, but still more important. Um, And this is going to be quite a challenge because this is going to be 100% bio-based as well. So this may actually have a real CO2 net zero impact in a life cycle assessment because it will only contain biogenic carbon. This is something that is still under development, but of course this is something that we are working on with very high pressure and that we have very high hopes in. So... I know that this is all talking on a quite technical level and this is not really the métier of a designer and it doesn't have to be. This is something that I think we we are strong at. Design is not our competence. So this is to actually channel all this technology into actually being available for a designer or for a brand. We have decided to put all of our products into this textile component kit that we want to offer to a brand. These are not only our products. These are all products that are being integrated into the Ocean Safe Component Kit. This can be from any producer all around the world that have a product that is cradle-to-cradle gold certified and that fits the requirements for an Ocean Safe garment. So that anything that can, anything that is designed, it has buttons, it has dyes, a sewing yarn, uh, fabrics, knitwear, anything that's in it can be combined in whatever fashion and it will in the end produce a cradle-to-cradle gold and ocean-safe certified product. So this product can in the end be composed completely. It does not have to be picked apart because it moves in the biological cycle of cradle-to-cradle and thus it can just be thrown into compost. This is actually the intended end of life for all of our products. 
industrial composting because this is great raw material for pretty much anything that you want to grow plants on. If you can put it in the earth, we think that it should be put there because soil degradation is a heavy, pro a heavy problem that we are facing right now and this may be one way to actually tackle it. So this is something that we are quite proud of and this is something that we are actually working on to digitalize so that any designer who wants to design a completely cradle-to-cradle -cradle biodegradable product can just pick apart from and he can design whatever garment he wants and it will completely be biodegradable and toxin-free and safe for the biological cycle. We did a short LCA screening on this to get a glimpse on what we actually might have in CO2 savings and since cradle-to-cradle -cradle production always includes 50% renewable energies and our material can be dyed at a much lower temperature, this may save also quite a, lot amount, uh, quite big amounts of energy. And there are some things that will not go into the LCA because we are working with quite novel materials and the data has been quite scarce on this. So we actually tried working with primary data with our production partners to get as close to production reality as we possibly can. And this is pretty much the outcome of it. We have about 65% in CO2 reductions just by using this fiber. And if you actually compare the conea, like the, the cotton substitute later on, this will actually save up to 79% of the water consumption because it will be chemically produced and not grown organically. Of course, there are also points that are not going into the LCA. As you can see, and Mr. Braungart already mentioned, what impact does it have if you do not need a water sewage system? Because the water, the wastewater that comes from your products will actually be drink water, drinking water quality. It will not be harmful at all. So this is something that actually needs to be worked out and that we cannot assess right now, but we have high hopes that this will also have a great impact on this. So in the name of OceanSafe, I would like to thank you all for your attention. And I hope you might have heard something new. Finally, I mean, what Constantine said, like one of the problems that they actually have is that companies need, first of all, to believe that um, their material is really that compostable. What do you think? Is that was that authentic? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's a lot of discussions, and they are really true and honest uh, discussions, and also very important discussions around recycling in the textile industry, and uh, also like biodegradable um, bioplastics. I mean, we all have learned, or maybe not all of us, but uh, a lot of us have learned that uh, bioplastics are usually not 100% bio-based materials and therefore um, usually not 100% biodegradable. But I think this is like one of these innovation things uh, in their material that they they actually use oil-based uh, materials yeah. part, like a percentage, but uh, it is anyway biodegradable. Yes, I think that that's the tricky bit. And uh, at the moment, at least, what I learned from from Constantine and also from from um, the co-founder of of OceanSafe, Manuel, um, was that at the moment it still has the content of of kind of crude oil based um, uh, in in the material, but they will phase it out. But in any way, it is already hundred percent biocompostable without leaving any negative traces for our environment. So yeah, very spectacular. And, uh, well, let's see. I mean, what uh, Maria can also tell us now about 
their approach, which is um, not so much based on biodegradability, but in growing them in a very sustainable way. Absolutely, especially when you look at like animal farms and also, um, I mean, the treatment of animals. I mean, there's uh, this is a real dirty business. So growing these things in a laboratory might be a real good uh, solution. Wow, I mean, I've just in my mind had like the pictures of a clean white lab just next to of this course. really dirty, horrible kind of farms where you can see fur being found. What a contrast. And yeah, well, let's see what Maria has to say about it. My name is Maria Zakurnaeva. It's very difficult to pronounce. Even uh, in my home country, it was difficult. I am the co-founder of Ferroid and also the president. Back in 2017, I remember the time when this venture was just an idea. Nobody, not many people would be supporting, not even listening to me talking about it. It's been a long and winding road. For me, it's an honor to be here today and to be able to present next to the other frontrunners in sustainable fashion, those who believe in bright future and making it happen. And of course, I'd like to thank the organizers for this amazing opportunity. It means all these years were worth it. So, as was said before, I have a background in fashion and as a model, not going to do the catwalk. It all started with a childhood dream to save animals, passion for fashion, and scientific innovation. The fascination with the beautiful material goes centuries back. When I was a child, uh, a fur coat was an ultimate status symbol for many. The times have changed, but the allure hasn't faded. We, nowadays, we have partially replaced the conventional product with the faux fur that has contributed to the animal welfare, but hasn't solved the ecological issues. This is where our solution comes into play. Our company, which is headquartered in Amsterdam, is on a mission to develop laboratory-grown fur and luxury wool that is positive for both animals and the environment. We have several products coming to the marketplace within the next two years. Furroid, Voloid, and Liquid wool. Put simply, like very simply, all, uh, for our furroid and wooloid solutions, all we need is a small cell sample from a healthy animal in the environment where they are living to produce the same hair fibers that you find in nature. We use tissue engineering techniques known in regenerative medicine, such as bioprinting and electrospinning. From the cell sample, we isolate stem cells relevant for hair follicle formation, reprogram them, and seed them on the biopolymer scaffold. Uh, this is a very brief summary of the scientific processes, but if any of you in this auditory would like to know more, please reach out and you can connect to our amazing scientific team. They would be able to talk to you in more detail. With liquid wool, and this is probably a bit much, much closer in the future. We're exploring both woolen waste and recycled wool in the production process. 
This aligns with the current themes around regenerative transformation and addresses the wool sector challenge with its environmental impact. To achieve it, we use keratin derived from wool and waste or recycled wool and combine with non-plastic biopolymers to create hybrid yarn. In terms of progress, uh, we have received a grant from the EU this year. Very grateful for that. It was recognition of our work uh, which have enabled us to expand our team and open new research facilities. We work closely with luxury fashion space and leading brands, and of course, always open for new collaborations and partnerships. Uh, we have already begun one collaboration on liquid wool that goes to the very heart of addressing wool waste by utilizing these valuable materials, and we'll be bringing this to the market in the very near future. We hope that as a starting point, this can move forward to addressing this challenge globally. Our mission is to transform luxury fur and wool sector by delivering innovative and desirable products. It is our ambition to combine the rich and valuable culture of craftsmanship with cutting-edge technology. We build our business by selecting the best from the past, and pointing it towards the future, making it relevant and beautiful again. The common narrative, and of course it is absolutely true that fashion is a great contributor to our current ecological problems, but being a part of the industry, it is our responsibility to confront it. Fashion reflects the ever-changing world where industrialization, innovation, and social and cultural movements have clearly played their role, but the negative consequences are also clear from overproduction to overconsumption to the crisis we are facing right now. It's time for change, and biotech pioneers are developing the new technologies that fashion has started to adopt. Although it takes time, to be truly disruptive. We are creating materials of the future. And this future is now. Even though I'm a firm believer in our children as a driving force for the positive change, it is not on the next generation to make things right. It is on us to leave this planet better than we found it. I thank you all for listening, and uh, you can connect to me. Our webpage is currently not working because we, are, we have our works done on our packaging of the company. And but please reach out and find me on social media. And I thank you, everybody, for being here. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, really impressive, I think. Yeah? I mean, uh, what Maria and her team is putting together there. Can't wait to actually see the lab and, and, and maybe touch this material at some point. Obviously, I mean, I'm a really physical person still. So, um, well, I really great uh, thanks to, to both our speakers here that uh, brought us a bit more input and more details into material innovation. And uh, we can see some things are still in development. Some things are already market ready. And we were very happy to kind of obviously also connect uh, our audience with our speakers. So let us know what you thought about the last episode. 
So now we actually have um, been talking about impact and how we can be beneficial to this earth and how we can have a positive impact, but we haven't really raised the question of how do we measure impact. And Veronica Bates-Cassetli is a person we invited also for our next episode. And she is talking about impact measurement and also the problems with it. Yeah, I mean, basically, as the title already says um, of her keynote, the rise of life cycle analysis and the fall of sustainability, it's quite promising, um, uh, thought-provoking. And I mean, she she's a very outspoken person. And I mean, we have invited her a few times already over because she's, I think, one of these persons in the industry at the moment that is opening up minds, not always maybe... People are agreeing what she says, but also that's not the point, I think. It's about new inputs and new perspectives, and there she really strives, I think. And there's an additional topic, I think, that she touches on that you really enjoyed, Magdalena. What was that? <laughs> It's my favorite, one of my favorite books I read in the last couple of years. It's actually The Donut Economy von Kate Rayworth. And if any of you has time to read it before you listen to our new episode, I really recommend it because it is a vision on how to create an economy which is actually beneficial to the environment and also to people living on this planet. And you always find a link to this in the show notes. You find our podcast everywhere where you find podcasts. And uh, please follow us on Instagram on the 202030 Summit page and also on LinkedIn. Further information on the summit you will find also on www.202030summit.com. 